1: All right, everyone, welcome to the tennis.com podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nina Pantic. I'm joined by my co host, Irina Falcone. Hey, guys, how's it going? And our special guest for this episode is uh, Jamie Loeb.
2: Hey, guys. We're
1: coming to you from Midland, Michigan. We've got a makeshift studio, and we're really excited to be using it. We have some really nice equipment this week, so we're (laughs) super
2: pumped. We're super pumped. In this spacious room. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, And Jamie has been gracious enough to grant us some of her time. So, Jamie, you know what? I think the best way to start is talking about how it feels to be in Midland.
2: Oh, I love Midland. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, This is my fourth year in Midland and I absolutely love it here, even though it's always pretty cold. Thank God there's no snow this year, at least not yet. But, um, you know, I love coming back, the community, uh, the people, the crowds they get and my housing, the Eider family. They're awesome. And I get to play with their two golden retrievers, get to go back at the end of the day and see uh, those two two cute pups. I love them. But um, yeah, no, I absolutely love coming back here. You talk about the snow like
3: it's something you're not used to. That's true. Right? That's true. <laughs> I mean,
2: you're from New York, exactly. We we know that, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm not used to driving in it, so last year was was tough. Um, but I honestly don't like the snow. When I was younger, when I was younger, when I had to miss school, absolutely loved it and playing outdoors. But when you have to go somewhere, it's an inconvenience. So you are based in New York, or you've moved to Florida? I have moved to Florida, but I'm still a New Yorker at heart. <laughs> I'm not going to accept that I'm a Floridian, but I do have a residence in uh, Lake Nona now.
3: So you're actually living with another uh, WTA player, Uswe Arcanada. How has that been for you? Because in college, I mean, you don't really have roommates. It's like a teammate. It's it's a little different now. You have bills to pay. You have. It's very, very different from college. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. In college, everything is there for you. Um, actually lived with a couple volleyball girls and then Haley Carter, my team at UNC, who now is on the pro tour and, um, is crushing it in doubles. But yeah, now I'm a adult, so I have bills to pay and, uh, Uswe and I actually haven't been, uh, together at the apartment that much cause she was in Australia, but for preseason we were there and yeah, no, it's been working out well. It's just another expense, but it's nice to kind of be on my own and have the independence. So, for those who don't know it, uh, Jamie is twenty-four years old. Arguably, you should have been living on your own a long time ago. <laughs> I know, I know. I've been uh, holding on at home for for quite some time, but I'm officially officially an adult at twenty-four. I love it, but. I mean, New York, though, like, where were you living? Were you Westchester? Westchester, you- yeah. Okay. So I'm in the suburbs, um, not in the city. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's nice living at home uh, for free. <laughs> I was just going to say, I
3: mean, a lot of players, I know that you have this notion of oh, you're 24, you should be living on your own. But, I mean, with the amount of days that you're actually home, I don't know that you can actually justify the cost of, like, actually getting your own place. And I'm going to spend $2,000 for being there about six days of the month.
2: Yeah, no, that, that was a big thing going into it. That's why I've prolonged it for so long. I'm like, I have to figure out, like, how much time am I actually going to be home? But I think it's come to the point where just as a person, just to have something that's my own and something I can go back to. And I love my parents, my family, but sometimes I just want my own space and don't want to be asked 20 questions the second I walk in the door at, yeah. like, midnight. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just, I like, you know, especially on long travel days, like, just go back, you know, relax, go do my thing instead of being hounded by them. But it's also nice to get some meals and time with my dog at home. So, Can
1: yeah. you take us through your tennis story, if you will? So you went to college, you played at UNC, you played two years, you killed it. What? How did you end up choosing UNC, and what was
2: that experience like? Oh, I love some college tennis talk. Oh, so do we. <laughs> so, so do we. Love. We're big fans. Love it. Yeah, I actually didn't know where I wanted to go to school. Um, I was also thinking about turning pro, but education means a lot to me and my family as well and to turn down a scholarship I mean I think that's like once in a lifetime obviously once in a lifetime opportunity so it's a no-brainer but didn't know where I wanted to go my sister played for Wake Forest Uh, she's nine years older than me and she actually knew all the coaches still and she kind of helped me a lot through that process and where to go where she sees me best fitting in and I didn't want to go too far away from home and um, she actually got into contact with, uh, the assistant coach at UNC at the time, Sarah Anninson who's now the head coach at UVA. And then she knew Brian cause Brian recruited her as well. Um, And yeah, I actually ended up taking an unofficial visit with my sister to UNC, and I just love this school. And it was good because Haley was going in the same year as me and growing up in juniors playing against each other. And we've always wanted to play doubles with each other. And, uh, you know, obviously, that's a great opportunity in college to do so. And I think just everything fell into place, the location, the people, just the atmosphere. And uh, yeah, I absolutely love it there.
3: So you said that you were there for two years. How was that? That talk with Brian, hey, I've decided I'm going to go to uh, the pro pro tour. I mean, it's never easy. Every player that we've talked we both to. didn't. Yeah, it's it's not an easy conversation.
2: Um, it was bittersweet when I won NCAAs because I think in his mind he was like, oh, she's gone now. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I knew if, like, if I won NCAAs and if I got that wild card into the US Open, then I was going to turn pro, and before going to school, I told him, I'm like, look, I do want to go pro. Um, I don't know when, but this is you know, definitely um, something I want to do. So he was aware of it, but I didn't decide that I was leaving honestly till like one week before the US open because I didn't know if I was getting the wild card or not. And my parents, they told me they're like, look, if you don't get the wild card, like you're gonna go back to school and uh, he had to figure out what he was gonna do with recruits and it was it was stressful for the both of us. But, you know, I think he was sad. But at the same time the team is so good. Um I Every year I keep saying they should be winning NCAAs, but I feel like this is the year, like, they have the team. Um, but I think it worked out for both of us. But, yeah, I, I, it would be interesting to see uh, if I would have stayed the next two years because, you know, I absolutely love it there and my teammates. And I do want to complete my degree, and that's something I am working towards. My first thought is winning
1: NCAAs. Like, that must have been one of your career highlights at that point, right? Yeah. You, do you remember – I guess how you felt when you managed to clinch that, and then knowing, I thought you right away get a, a wild card no matter what.
2: I wasn't sure, but you—you you don't always want to bank on a wild card. Like there's always a chance that you don't get it. I know there was one girl, I think Amanda McDowell. Um, yeah. So I and I—I I don't know. Like there, you just don't want to bank on it. And until you knew is like solidified, then that's when the decision was made. But yeah, winning NCAA's was definitely. The highlight. Um, I always go back to one other match is when we beat Stanford in the semifinals my freshman year, and I did clinch that match, and that was um, probably one of the most memorable matches in my college career. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that might be better than winning NCAA's just because what it meant to me and the team, and to get to our first um, NCAA final. But I also have to ask you. So, as one of the best college
1: players in the country in the past. Five years, you got given this Oracle grant, one hundred thousand dollars, and you got that last year, twenty nineteen. I mean, do you just get rid of a check?
2: Um, it's in four different payments. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I mean, it's you know, I was actually shocked when I received the phone call because I didn't even know I was in contention or that I had a chance of getting it because um, I thought it was maybe like two years out of college. Did you have to apply for it? No. So this is uh, twenty twenty is the first year where you have to fill out an application, okay. and in the past, I think the board came up with um, maybe like a bunch of people, and then they chose. But yeah, no, it it's definitely taken a lot of weight off my shoulders. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have the best season in twenty nineteen, and I really wanted to capitalize on it, but uh, it's definitely helped me, and you know trying to still formulate my team and um, have a little bit more consistency but it's yeah I mean I was so grateful and I still am grateful for that opportunity.
3: A lot of people think like okay
2: $100,000 that's a lot of money. In tennis player terms
3: that's like maybe six months worth of coaching and travel that's literally I mean it can be gone in in an instant. Where do you think most of that money is going right now for you?
2: My expenses, uh, travel, and now I have an apartment and a a car, so I also have bills to pay, but yeah, just the expenses, I don't think a lot of people realize how expensive it is just for the player to travel alone, and then on top of that, having someone else travel, Um, you know, that's a great thing also about USTA, where, you know, we have the resources and everything there, so that's um, basically a big reason why I moved down there, but Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also just used like saving some of that money too, to see like who can consistently be on the road with me, whether it's a physio or a coach or whoever. I'm just trying to be smart about that money. So how, um, has it been
3: super great just knowing that you never have to hit traffic to get to the (laughs) USCA training center compared to your hour long commute in New York? I remember I see your snaps where you're like, love this traffic on like a Tuesday at like 2 p.m. and it's always packed. It's never it's never just free flowing traffic.
2: Yes, but for some reason I don't like driving in Orlando because I don't understand these tolls and why you need a toll to like get to Target or Whole Foods. Like there's multiple tolls and I I don't really understand the traffic in Orlando. I get it in New York. Like it I just know, but in Orlando. I'm like, I I don't, I don't get it. Um, But it is nice where, you know, my commute is basically five minutes, so I don't have to wake up super early and can sleep in a little bit more.
0: Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just Starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com.
1: Hey everyone, you're listening to the Tennis.com podcast with American pro Jamie Loeb. She's telling us about the ups and downs of her career on the Pro Tour. Keep listening. You so you mentioned a team. Now we know that here in Midland, you're joined by uh, Jermaine Jenkins. He has worked in the past with Naomi Osaka, so kind of a semi famous name. What's that experience been like?
2: Yeah, you know, I was super excited when um, I heard that he was going to be kind of in charge of me during preseason and this year at USTA, and uh, you know, I'm really grateful to have him and his experience. I really like working with him, and I, you know, we agree on um, pretty much everything. And just seeing his, um, you know, point of view on certain things, and even asking him questions about like that, you know, players at the top level, what are they doing differently? Um, but yeah, like, you know, between Naomi and then he was Venus's hitting partner. So he's had quite the resume and it's pretty, uh, cool to be around him. Is there anything
3: that's kind of stuck out that he said that he has probably either used or, you know, the top players did that you were like, that resonated with you? Cause you know, sometimes coaches can say something and sometimes it doesn't stick, but it just depends on how someone says it.
2: I think more so when we're talking about things, he's looking at big picture and for me, um, he's, you know, he's like top hundred, top 50, like when we're working on things or after matches, like, look, if you want to get to this level, like this isn't going to fly or like, you need to get better at this. So I think it's good putting things in perspective. Cause it's so easy to focus on the now instead of, you know, and maybe like three six like one year, um, three three or six months, like down the road or a year down the road. And I think he always like just brings that back. So for me to like kind of get out of my head and stop thinking about now, but thinking about, okay, what's going to be, what's going to make me better for the next like six months to a year from now. It's challenging, though, because you've been ranked as high as as the 130s, right?
1: So you've been up there, so you know. But then rankings change, and every year is different. You said you did a bad year last year. How have you managed to cope with expectations, probably your own? Because you're only a few years in. You're still very young, but... You can kind of get sick of it, right?
2: Yeah, um, I feel like a veteran at this point. (laughs) Irina's rolling her eyes at me. (laughs) I don't know, because I've been playing also since juniors, but full time, I think it's about five years now, something like that. Um, Had an injury last year, and then confidence went away, and it just took a while, and then From that, wasn't enjoying being on court, and then I was just trying to force things, and then all of a sudden, when I least expected it, I go and win a tournament when I really didn't think I was going to or really didn't want to be there, and then things just change. It just takes one match, one tournament for everything to change, but at the same time you know, these common things of, like, not enjoying playing and being out there, that kind of creeps in when you're not doing well, and you kind of have to take the time to realize, like, look, do I need a break, or can I push through, and that's kind of the battle I had last year as well. Last year, you were also,
3: I mean, we also have to mention the fact that you made finals here two years ago. Two years
2: ago, yeah. So, Last year, you were defending finals points. And unfortunately, (laughs) I lost to Maddie. Second round, had a tough draw. So we played each other the year before. So, I mean,
3: just that many points and, you know, losing early in that match and in that tournament when you're defending finals. I mean, that can also change your year a lot. And that was, was that probably the biggest amount of point accrual that you were defending ever?
2: Uh I believe so. Yeah, that was definitely um I think the most I've had to defend. So yeah, that was tough and then 2 weeks later I sprained my ankle. So yeah, and that that was that was a struggle. Learned a lot throughout that time, but um ended up playing a couple of tournaments when I definitely should not have and then ended up having to take 2 months off. So everything was kind of pushed back and in that time frame I did have more points coming off and then by the time I came back, I just I was not confident at all. So there's a slight turning point
1: then in October when you won in Dallas. You won an ITF, your eighth ITF, which is stacked. What were you thinking before? I mean, if you didn't want to be there, you didn't want to play, and you end up winning. It doesn't really – I don't quite understand.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy how things happen. I go up a set in 4-1, and um, one of the USTA coaches, Jordan Belga, was there with me. Uh, after I go up 4-1, I turned to him and I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I think his face was like, uh. And then, of course, I lost the next two games, but then I ended up, I think, winning like four and three. And from that match, I'm like, okay. And then I honestly started playing better, um, with each match. I think just mentally, I just wasn't in a good place going into it. And part of me was thinking I might call it a year after that tournament. I actually spoke to Irina a little bit uh, prior to that. I'm like, what should I do? Should I stop now? But maybe I can do well, maybe I can get points. It's just that constant vicious cycle of points, money, but then you kind of lose yourself and kind of that like self love and self care. Yeah, funny you should mention
3: that. I remember last year I made a behind the racket post and uh, I remember getting a message from you. And uh, it was one of those moments where it was just like, girl, I've been there. We, I've been through it. You know, let's have a phone call. And not taking credit for your win, but, you know, we did speak uh, before that. <laughs> you got credit for that. <laughs> no, no, no. It was all you. But, um, you know, I, I don't feel like I asked this question enough,
2: but I, I'm curious what is it? that drives you to keep going? I think for me, I'm stubborn in the sense where like, I, I just, I don't know. Like I want to, or maybe not stubborn is a word, but like, I just want to start like, if I start something, like I want to finish it. And I want to say like, look, I gave it my all. And I don't think I was like ready to stop. Maybe I should have taken a actual break or you know, long enough break. I don't really think I took any break, but, um, I think I'm just so motivated to do well and prove to myself that like look I can do this and I think I just love the competition and I'm just really determined with everything I do but I I don't know I just know myself and I know I wouldn't be satisfied if I were to stop because at the end of the day like I do love competing and giving myself a chance and I don't want to look back and say I didn't do that or fulfill that no stone left unturned right yeah
1: right yeah. no
2: regrets no regrets
1: do you ever feel like maybe the motivation might be or how do you stay motivated to be like okay maybe the next tournament's my right one maybe the next tournament where things are going to turn around or do you ever just think like why am i doing this
2: combination of all of that sometimes i'm like eh, i don't know what's going to happen this week some weeks i'm like all right I got this. But then I go and lose first round in some weeks. Like Dallas, I'm like, I don't want to be here. And I win the tournament. So honestly, it's a coin flip. (laughs) Like your mind is, uh, you know, it's crazy what your mind can do. But sometimes, you know, thinking that way, it kind of takes pressure off of you and you just go in with no expectations. And I think I've learned to try not to define myself as a person um, with my results it's really hard to and you know I'm a perfectionist I want to do well and everything and I want to win and succeed but I've done a better job of just separating myself and then the tennis player and I think that's a big thing but yeah week after week I feel like the mentality just changes depending where you are too like there's some places you know may not want to go to so then you're like uh like am I really motivated in other places, especially, I guess Midland, I'm highly motivated here because I really, you know, enjoy the people and the crowd. So I'm like always up for it. But even when you're down, you still have to find a way to kind of persevere through that.
1: And do you feel ever pressure from like maybe your support system or family or your sister or, or USTA, you know, to keep going, even though maybe sometimes you want to take a break?
2: For sure. I think I tend to care too much what other people say and think, and that's kind of a downfall. Like I want to please everybody. And then I end up not pleasing myself and doing something for myself. So I've battled with myself with that. Um, I don't think it's necessarily on anyone. It's just how I feel. And, you know, it may be sometimes my family, like, you know, they're always watching me or following. And sometimes it's a lot and it's, you know, it is pressure. Um, but I've grown up doing that and living through that, so I've kind of expected it by now. But I just I need to do a better job of just being like, it doesn't matter what ever anyone else thinks. It just matters how I feel, if I'm happy, if I feel like I'm doing the right thing, then that's all that matters.
3: Happy. I love hearing that. I don't hear that enough from tennis players. I mean, it's, it's so result-based, driven, and, you know, you get so many. E- even last night, you know, after you win your match or whatever – First question is, you know, how you feel. And the second question is how'd like, you play? How'd you play? And then the third question is typically, well, you play this person next. Mm. Like, you know, it's never like, you go ahead and enjoy this win. Take this moment. And I, I remember last night, you know, you know, you asked me, you were like, hey, do you want to know who you play next? I was like, Nah, no, I, I, I just wanna I want to enjoy this dinner. One. I want uh-huh, dinner. Uh-huh. I just want to, you know, enjoy this one a little bit. Maybe just process it. Um, and yeah, I can totally relate to what you're saying about, you know, your whole life. You're just... You're just a tennis player. Yeah. Everyone, when you go to family functions, how's your tennis? Yeah. How's this?
2: Yeah. And I, uh, lately that's just annoyed me more because I I have even snapped at, (laughs) sorry, mom, but like I've snapped at her. I'm like, mom, like stop asking me how practice is. Like, just ask me how I am. She's like, I am. I'm like, yeah, but then you always follow it up with, you know, how's practice? How's this? Like, does it really matter? And sometimes I'm like, I'll, if I want to talk to you about it, I'll talk to you about it. But you know, I think all of us, like we're more than a tennis player and it's tough because family, family, friends, you know, people watching us on TV, they think of us as this tennis player. That's why, you know, Behind the Racket, um, we both have done it um, and Noah is a really good friend of mine. And I think it's a great um, platform to just showcase like, you know, the struggles that we do go through and just show a little bit of our personality as well since a lot of people don't get to see that.
0: learn more at marines.com
1: thanks for listening to the tennis.com podcast jamie Loeb is telling us all about her passionate love for cardi b rapping and dancing keep listening so you talk a little bit about you know self care and there's so
3: much more to you than uh, tennis and I know that you're a Sephora addict. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, tell us a little bit. Like, all right, tell us what else is there to Jamie Loeb? Like, I I know that you like Whole Foods and Sephora, so we got those two things down <laughs> and Bolay and bolay You know, you're like Bolle. their spokesperson, I think, I in the Bolle Lake too. Nona resident uh, in the Lake Nona location. So uh, tell us, I mean, what more? What more do you want to tell tell people listening? You're missing
2: the biggest one. Ready? Cardi B. I'm a huge Cardi B fan. I love Cardi B. I'm sorry. I forgot. <laughs> I totally forgot. It's okay. You hit everything else, though. Love Cardi B. I love to rap. like to Cardi B. I also love to dance. Like... I don't know what you would call my dancing, but um, I've had a lot of positive feedback for the most part. So, you know, just going to keep doing me. But then, um, you know, right now my, my nails are getting pretty long. So um, maybe maybe I'm, ch- I'm channeling my inner Cardi B. <laughs> Your nail game is strong. And
3: uh, for those listening, um, I'm pretty sure I remember getting a Snapchat from you saying that you drove four hours in New Zealand to go watch Cardi B.
2: Yes, uh, Sasha Vickery and I drove two and a half, took an Uber, two and a half hour Uber in New Zealand, there and back, to go to this festival to see Cardi B. It wasn't just Cardi B, but we basically went for her. It's probably my first and last time at a festival because it was just crazy, but it was totally worth it to see Cardi. Like, probably the highlight of my life. (laughs) Maybe more than winning NCAAs. (laughs) I can't believe I forgot to mention Cardi B. I'm was, so glad
3: I thinking. this
1: came up. I'm so glad this came up. This I had no idea about I didn't know this about you. <laughs> I really um, didn't.
3: The amount of Snapchat really videos and Instagram stories that will just be like, anytime I listen to, is it Bodak Yellow? Bodak Yellow, yep. I, I just, I have to think of Jamie Loeb. That's the only person that comes to mind. <laughs> Whenever I listen to that song, I'm like, I got to snap her that. Like,
2: I got to snap her I- I honestly think that half the videos saved on my phone might be just me rapping to Cardi B. Like, no joke. I think I just save them all the time. I don't know what for because I'm like, oh, it's the same thing over and over again. But then I'm like, oh, this is probably what my followers think when they see another post of me rapping to Cardi.
1: I mean, you're improving your, your, your skill, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's practice. Yeah. It's pr- we like practice and being perfectionists. That's what we've learned about you. So it makes perfect sense that you have many videos. I get it.
2: Honestly, that makes so much sense. So I'm just going to keep doing that. Yeah,
1: I'm so glad that, that this podcast has given you a chance to really tell us all about yourself, uh, everything.
2: So I also
3: <laughs> I also want to touch up on something hilarious that you posted yesterday. So you won a very, very tough, tight three-setter yesterday uh, against Simona Bartell here in the first round of Midland. And um, you got a nasty message on Instagram. And, you know, we a, a lot of people know that all the haterade that we get, all the hate mail and all the negative comments and stuff and uh I just loved your reaction to it it was it was just hilarious so for those listening it was pretty much they were talking about your serve they were talking about how horrible of a tennis
2: player you are and all this stuff and just it was just atrocious kind it it was it was bad honestly one of the tamer messages I think because there was minimal cursing if there was any cursing normally there's a lot of cursing but yeah it was uh it was it was not a good message.
3: Yeah, and and her reaction was like it led me to victory though. Like thanks for your message, like thanks for your support, and I just love that because it pretty much just negates and just gives them no power. It's like you clearly you mean nothing to me. Like thank you for your concern.
2: Yeah, I mean as you know, I mean we we get a lot of hate mail, and in the beginning, I think I took it to heart and I was like you know upset about it. But I think over the years. I've learned to laugh about it. I know Christian does a great job of trolling these people. Um, normally, I don't post a lot when they send me stuff. Um, normally, I don't really include their name, but you know what? They deserve to be um, out there. And yeah, yeah, I don't care about you them. Include the name. <laughs> yeah. So it, you know, but it's tough. Like we, we get a lot of brutal messages and. Um, couple of times they've like even messaged my sister and I'm like, don't put my sister into this. She has nothing to do with this. I mean, we may have similar like handles, but like, don't, don't message her. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it's a part of the sport, I guess, but I hope that's something that could change in the future. So fun fact, I actually played
3: against Jamie's older sister when I was like 12 uh, years old in New, in New York.
1: York. Yep. Oh yeah. Cause you guys have the New York connection. Yep. yep. Interesting. Yeah. Who won? I th- I believe I did.
3: Yeah, and the funniest. You thing. You beat Jenna. You wouldn't. Yeah, wouldn't I you believe been like, so. Oh my god, I'm about to ask her. I'm do you, do you not remember? You sent me a draw.
2: No, that your it, dad kept. You were in it. Yes. Oh my god. Are you. Yeah. I think you were in it, and then my Stephanie. sister Stephanie. Yes. Yeah. Yep. They. Yeah. My dad would keep these like big draws. in yeah. his my in dad his office. Has it. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Unbelievable. I all right. Well,
2: that. actually, I'm gonna text Jenna after this, and I'm gonna ask her. <laughs> Does he still have all these draws saved? unfortunately my mom threw them away and yeah she's cleaning the house it's and time. I was mad for Jenna like Jenna was obviously upset but I was like I cannot believe she threw this away yeah not happy with you mom but I love you All right, well before we let you get back to tennis and Cardi B I have one
1: more question one last question the sunglasses when did this start what are they for is it sun or is it because you wear contacts or explain
2: Okay, so I've been wearing sunglasses ever since I started playing, I mean, or playing outdoors at least. Um, I remember so. I'm eight years old, like at Little Mo's, wearing those sunglasses. I had these wired sunglasses, and I'd make sure I get them tinted. Like they're normal glasses, but I just loved the way they fit, even though the sun still co- like came in. I don't understand why I was wearing them, but um, then I upgraded when I was 15 to Oakleys because my coach at the time, Felix, was like, "You need to get rid of those. Like you you need some legit sunglasses." But yeah, my eyes are just sensitive to the sun. Like I'm rarely playing outdoors when. Uh, or I'm really not wearing sunglasses (laughs) outdoors um, only if it's about to rain or if it's just even when it's like super cloudy or overcast like I'm wearing it so my eyes are really sensitive I do wear contacts um, but obviously indoors I'm not wearing sunglasses a lot of people ask me I'm like no like I'm I can see but yeah I don't know it's just my signature look okay I like it I dig it just wanted to know I was
1: just curious if anyone else was wondering so I had to ask on that note I think we can end this episode this has been an absolute delight I love that you guys know each other from so far back too it's adorable this has been the tennis.com podcast with Irina Falcone and Jamie Loeb thanks for having me thanks so much Jamie and kick butt and dubs <laughs> from the tennis channel podcast network this has been the tennis.com podcast Be sure to subscribe to Stay Caught Up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as tennis.com slash podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and tennis.com's Facebook page. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team. Editor and audio designer and video editor, Christina Koseva, Producers, Alexa March and Sean O'Malley. And executive producers, Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chu.